0: The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at slayrx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT22 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRX for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the most pleasant exhaustion podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slay RX. My name is George Darden. I'm an athlete and coach in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a college professor. I'm the father of twin boys.
1: My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an athlete in Atlanta, Georgia. I work as a CPA and I'm a mom to three girls.
2: And my name is Eric Hall. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm an engineer. Uh, father to three kids and the husband to a beautiful wife Melissa.
0: and tonight you are here in the role of the father of one of those three teenagers so uh and that's because you brought one of those three teenagers with you grace hall finisher of the keys 100 welcome to the most pleasant exhaustion podcast
1: thank you i'm glad to be here
0: Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. (laughs) Of course, we've had you here once before, uh, but we were all following your Keys 100 race so intently last weekend that it kind of seemed like a no-brainer come Monday that we wanted to invite you to come back on the podcast and tell, tell us all about it. So we appreciate you doing it.
3: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Fourth place woman, 19th finisher overall out of roughly 90 who finished and about 200 entrants total. 24 50 was that it what was the time
2: eric 24 54.
3: yeah it was go. something like that i mean go. i i was pretty happy with it i definitely didn't expect my place to be as high as it was um i was hoping to get under 24 but i'm i'm, I'm pretty happy with the result regardless
0: absolutely and this is the only the the second 100 mile race you finished i say that as if you're not 18 years old already having finished 200 mile races but only the second <laughs> one right yes yeah, very good and you took eight hours off the time that you did in your first one right
3: yes it was a slightly different race but <laughs> for
0: sure for sure um and you also shed that pacer that was holding you back in the last one as well um, yeah so... he was
3: really slow he was like holding on to the back of my shirt <laughs> going forward
0: once you could get rid of him Yeah. That was worth at least eight hours for sure. Um, well, let's hear, let's hear a little bit about it. Um, we're excited to hear all about it. Tell us the keys 100. Why'd you choose this race?
3: Um, for a couple of reasons. Um, one, it was really convenient with my school schedule because it was like a month after I got out of school, which I was like, that seems pretty perfect. Um, also I wanted to try a little bit of a flatter race just to kind of work on, speed and pacing uh because the thing the thing about races like the one the black hills 100 that we did last summer um is a lot of times the terrain kind of keeps you from being able to like establish a regular like running walking cycle and it can be really hard to like practice pacing so i really wanted to try something a little flatter Um, also the pictures on the website were really cool they they've got like some really pretty (laughs) views that they show on their website of um all the water and stuff.
2: It's um, all lies. It is all lies. <laughs>
3: we'll look into that later probably. But um also, and then uh gosh, you, you made me lose my train of thought there. Um I, I also just wanted the challenge of it, because there is like the heat aspect um and the just like the location and stuff that does make it pretty difficult so yeah those are
2: and it's unsupported
3: yes it oh also um we we did want to try an unsupported race because i wanted to see how it was with like a crew as opposed to like the traditional like aid stations and stuff so that was another thing that i wanted to like try out that was cool about this and and finally i got a lot of reasons um it was the cool thing about this race is most hundred milers um they will only let you have pacers for 50 miles of the race this one will let you have pacers after the first 10 miles Mm -hmm. so i thought that it would be a good one for me to do as my first one by myself um because then i could have like some more pacers and stuff throughout um if i was struggling and especially like for like safety and stuff too
2: right again a lot of boxes so (laughs) if we just take one quick step back to set the stage for the the keys 100 it's a Obviously it's a hundred mile race from Key Largo to Key West. So Mm -hmm. elevation change, uh, very minimal. There are a couple bridges that do have a little bit of elevation change, but as a friend of the podcast, uh, Brett Wellborn pointed out after the race, the heat index was over 90 for the entire time grace was racing. So even at two o'clock in the morning when it was pitch black outside, the heat index was still over 90 degrees. So you have a very Flat race, um, fairly easy to navigate race, I would, I yeah. would say, uh, but it is not an easy race, you know, and the other thing is this, you know, the, the races we've done in the past, most of the long distance races we've done have been on uh, off road softer surfaces, mm-hmm. and this was all asphalt and concrete so.
1: Cool. Um, Grace, last time we had you on, you were living at home, senior in high school. Your dad was coaching you. This time you were away at college for the year while you were training for the race. Can you tell us a little bit about um, did you tweak your training? Did you go into this with a different approach based on the first time you trained for 100? What did the training look like leading up to it?
3: Um, The training was I don't think there were any like major, major changes um it was definitely like an adjustment going to college because instead of like generally running with other people because i'd be running with like my team from high school or like my parents or something i was running a lot more by myself um so i started listening to music a lot which was something different and something i did during the keys 100. um and i think especially in the spring um i do think i found a way to make a lot more time for running um i struggled with it a little bit in the fall just like time management and stuff um, but in the spring I got on a pretty good schedule. I was doing like probably around 40-ish miles a week, and then like leading up to it in the couple months before um, my longer weeks were probably more in the like higher 40s range. Um, I think I might have had one that was up to like 50 or so. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I mean like it was definitely a little difficult balancing it with school. So there were some weeks that I didn't get quite as many miles as I wanted. Um, but I kind of just did the traditional like long two longish runs a week and usually i tried to get one day of speed in a week i did (laughs) i did a pretty good job but sometimes (laughs) i missed that day of speed um Um, yeah
1: now that you've finished the race would you change anything in the training do you wish Um, you've done anything differently i mean look at eric's
3: face it's like (laughs) probably need to do a little more speed according to my my loving running coach um (laughs) Uh, and then like, I mean, I'm hoping in the future to just like, start to get more and more miles in. Um, but I don't think I would have trained a whole lot differently for this race. I think I did what I could. Um, and yeah, awesome.
0: I would point what, what out were that... some of your, what were some of your longest runs,
3: um, honestly, not too long. Generally we've kind of built races into my schedule frequently enough that I can get pretty long runs in terms of like, I had Peyton's 10 by 5k. Um, in March, so yep. like kind of in late March, um and then I had we did a like eighteen ish mile um very, very hilly run, the naked mountain ultra is yep. that what it was called in yep. Uari, so that was like another like long run that we did and then other than that, I mostly i think the longest ones were probably like fifteen or so. um, so I'd usually do like a longer than ten run on Sundays and then like a eight to 10 mile run on like a Tuesday. So I ran six days a week, um, which was, I yeah. So I, I guess I kind of had those two long runs close together, but um, other than that, I didn't go like crazy far or anything.
2: And you typically, so I wanna point out two things. One, uh, Michelle, you, you mentioned that I was coaching her for the prior 100. Grace's schedule was such that at Duke that it was very difficult to give her a schedule and she sort of took on the coaching of herself. She asked for input, you know, Hey, what would a speed workout look like or how far should my long run be? But Grace, I would say 80 to 90% of her training leading up to this, she did on her own.
1: That's wow. awesome. Yeah, yeah. I knew that. I was trying to build into that, so she yep. didn't tell me that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh,
2: sorry. But, but
1: it's cool. It's cool. We're all, you know, authentic here, so. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. I think um, the other thing, one thing she noticed during the Keys 100 is, well, let me ask you, what hurt more, walking or running?
3: Um, For this race, I thought walking hurt quite a lot, which <laughs> I was surprised by because I do walk a lot. Like, there, one, there have been runs where I've just been forced to walk because, like, Other factors like exhaustion or something like that, Um, Mm -hmm. and I just walk a lot like I walk a lot at school as well. um, Just because I got to get to classes and stuff, but the walking did actually really hurt the backs of my knees and stuff a lot more than I thought it would. Mm -hmm. So I guess maybe I should do more walking in my training,
2: but I was just trying to like reflect back to um, George's thoughts on Mm -hmm. the mountain mist. And what he was saying was he needs to learn to hike more because there is actually hiking and ultras mm-hmm. and, sure, you know, you know uh, Grace, uh, very maturely knew from the start of this race, she's not going to run a hundred miles, right? You, you just don't run a hundred miles. Sure. Uh, you, it's the tortoise and the hare. So right off the bat. Uh, off the bat grace had set up a walk run cycle
3: yeah we like talked about it beforehand to kind of get because since i was kind of shooting i didn't really know how fast i could do it but i was like 24 hours seems like something that is fairly reasonable at least to shoot for um and then if it's better great and if it's worse great too because either way i'm happy with it so we kind of calculated around the pace i'd need to go um which was somewhere around like mid 14 minute miles um and then we kind of thought about how fast i was going to be running which would be like somewhere between a 10 and 11 minute mile and how fast i'd be walking which we originally was thinking we're thinking that it would be somewhere around a 16 to 17 minute mile but quickly discovered that when you're walking on a flat paved surface you can walk a lot faster than that without having to like put that much effort in um so originally we were thinking somewhere like a half and half like a five and five 10 minute cycle um of running and walking and i did that for the first two miles and quickly realized that i was going like 11 minute pace um it was like 11 11 30 minute pace even though i was running somewhere around a 10 minute mile which is what i was hoping for it just wasn't slowing me down enough um because i was walking at like a 14 minute mile or something so we adjusted that to do a four minutes of running and six minutes of walking, which I just kept doing pretty, pretty much the whole time until I got to, um, until I got to like 75, 75. miles. Cause yeah. I started to feel really sick. I don't know exactly what the deal was, but the heat just really hit me at that point. Um, so then I just started doing a lot more walking and just like a little bit of running, but mostly just speed walking um, until the end but the the run-walk cycle definitely worked well, but it did show me that I perhaps should be doing a little bit more walking in my training. um,
2: Or or hiking. Or
3: hiking, um, just because it was like pretty strenuous. Just on one, my um, heels were hurting a lot more because I run on my toes, but I don't necessarily walk on my toes. And then also just the backs of my knees. I think that's something that doesn't really get strained a whole lot when I'm running, but it hurt pretty bad walking.
1: Got it. Um, One last question about training. What is it like when you're living on campus, you know, at university and you're getting up on a Saturday or Sunday and getting ready to go for like a 20 mile long run? Are you just kind of sneaking out of the dorm? Do you have anybody to run with you? Is there anybody on campus who kind of knows what you're doing or is it just sort of? Just kind of put it into the schedule and then come back and get on with regular college stuff.
0: Great question.
3: Um, so the one everyone <laughs> that knows I run thinks I'm crazy. Um, I haven't made a whole lot of running they, they don't think
0: the you're time crazy because you're a runner, Grace. They think oh, okay. you're crazy because you do 100 mile races. That's right. <laughs> <Perhaps> <laughs> that if that if, if you case. were just doing like five days and 10Ks, they wouldn't think you were crazy. They just be like, Oh yeah, that's great. She's a runner.
3: Perhaps that is the case. Um, but usually I I like to run in the afternoons that's my favorite time to run so I this semester at least I had classes until like three ish, and then I would just kind of go home and put my shoes on and turn my brain off, and then just kind of go for a run. Um, and sometimes that was just kind of like a, a slog, but sometimes I was feeling great and I was pretty happy to be like outside and not thinking about chemistry or writing or any of those things. Um, and then for my long runs, a lot of times on the weekends, since my parents lived pretty close, my mom would come up and run with me um, on Sundays, just so like I had someone to talk to, we could hang out. So that she was my long run buddy a lot for training, which I really appreciated um, just cause sometimes it helps make those runs a little bit more interesting, sure. <laughs> but yeah.
2: And I, I think that there's an important. Fact in this is that you know I was not the crew chief. I was a participant in the crew. Yeah, uh, Melissa and I uh, tag teamed the crewing duties and the running duties with with Melissa, or the pacing duties, let's put it that way. And if it wasn't for the two of us, it just would not have been executed the way it was. There were certain yeah. certain things that Melissa procured. We can we can talk about equipment and mm-hmm. and whatnot, and just overall like the planning effort the the partnering with the running effort getting to this and then just the the crewing duties you know motivating grace supporting grace and whatnot um that that would not have happened if it was just me yeah i don't i don't think we would have been as successful if it was just me so
3: yeah i i do i do have to mention um the one thing about this race that i was really crucial to me being able to finish was my crew like my parents did a really really good job um just one just making sure we had all the right stuff and also just like organizing the stuff in the right way um to make it really convenient and then also just remembering all the things that I couldn't remember and just like helping me throughout um without like getting in my way or anything we definitely saw some other crews doing other things um (laughs) but I definitely think my crew I, I wouldn't have traded them for anyone else so um yeah that was definitely a big part and yeah.
2: Yeah. Very Anecdotally, cool. we, we did see some really interesting crewing efforts. I mean, we, <laughs> we saw one one lady whose husband they were from uh they were English and they had it figured out. And this this lady's husband was Laura Watts was her name, and she was phenomenal. But the um the other we had we had another crew where it was like these three young guys, one guy running, guys driving a Tesla and the two of them would like sit there and they just sit in the car and like pop the trunk for the guy and the guy would come (laughs) up and get his stuff and then every once in a while the guy would kind of jog walk with him with his phone in his hand but he was always like five yards ahead of him so it's like come on man you can go faster than this you know it was just just a totally totally different you know vibe i think with how a a couple of teenagers or or mid-20s would would crew another 20 year old and and then, then how yeah, we organize it. it
3: was really interesting to note as well, that parents seem to be a very popular choice for the crew. <laughs> like I cannot tell you how many like 35 year old men were out there with their parents crewing them, um, which at first I was kind of like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And then I thought about, it, I was like, who do you ask? to follow you around for longer than a day with like snacks and like running gear while you just like do something stupid <laughs> for a hundred miles. And I mean, like, I think the parents are a, a pretty obvious choice, but. For sure,
0: for sure, for sure. Uh, I've crewed my spouse before. So yeah, that, that, that's also another kind of group that gets roped in as spouses for <laughs> sure. Um, and so I know that, that part of being on the crew is like literally getting all the equipment down to the starting line, right? Um, and, and all that sort of thing. But um, Grace, you didn't drive all the way down to Florida, right? Didn't you fly and Eric drove, and that what happened? Yes. So, so take us a little bit about like getting to the starting line, like how y'all met up and all that sort of thing.
3: Um, so he drove with his camper tent on top of our car from Raleigh down to a like little campsite place for like RVs and stuff and camped there for a night and then drove the rest of the way. Which I casted
0: was, like, while camped there.
3: Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, apparently there were a lot of armadillos in the camp. Oh um, yeah, we got the pictures. <laughs> yeah. And then he, he drove the six hours to meet my mom and I, who flew in just from the Raleigh-Durham airport into the like,
2: Fort Lauderdale, Fort
3: Lauderdale airport. Um, and then he just picked us up and we drove to a hotel that was like, I don't know, an hour or so away just from about the
2: th- about 30, 40 minutes,
3: 30, 40 minutes away from the beginning of the race. Because if you didn't know the keys hotels are very expensive <laughs> and we didn't want to have to, um, shell out that kind of cash. So we just decided to suck it up and drive.
0: So, so on that note then, Eric, did you kind of figure all that out? And did you find the hotel
2: and all that sort of thing? Was that part of your role as being on the crew? Uh, yeah, well, Grace was in, she was in classes at the time. And so that was one of my roles, was to figure out the time frame. you know, how to, how to get the stuff down there. But I, I didn't do that in a vacuum. You know, I, I sort of kind of laid out a schedule, like how I would get everything down there. And then Melissa figured out the flight plan for Grace. We sort of, you know, we we played it as we won a day, so we got it. We got there on Thursday and then took Friday just to figure things out, relax, you know, a non non travel day, and then Saturday the race, Sunday the race, a night to relax, sleep a little bit, and then Monday to to start the trek back. So I kind of laid out some parameters, and then Melissa figured out how to get Grace and her down there. So
3: yeah i was just kind of along for the ride because I, I wasn't sure what the best way to do it was so I, I figured they would figure out a better way than i would
0: but that's what it's supposed to be grace um that, that your crew takes care of everything and and you just all you have to do is run so <laughs> well, I, i've that, heard that I heard grace across america cyclists say that they have the easy job all they have to do is pedal it's the crew that actually has the difficult job. Yeah. so
2: i think from the start melissa and i said our job is to not have Grace worry about anything but putting one foot in front of the other. Good, right on.
1: Um, so Grace, were you worried about anything? Like, were you? You guys got you flew into Lauderdale, spent the night, got down to the Keys, and started about what right before seven on Saturday morning. Um, yes. Did they do a good job of making sure you had nothing to worry about? What were you nervous about at the start?
3: I mean, they did a great job, but I am a a classic worrier. So I was definitely worried, um, pretty much the whole time, like leading up to the race and like, even the first like 10 or so miles, I'm always worried about all the possible things that could go wrong. Um, but I think like the one thing that I learned in the last race I did and like, in the other races that I've done, um, just like in the last you know three years that i've been doing ultras um i think i've just figured out that i just need to like let it happen and do my best with what i have and just see what happens because <laughs> a lot of times it's not really things that i can control or change so worrying about them just makes my performance worse so i i think usually i do have a lot more like stress and anxiety about it than i did um for this race i, I felt like I was pretty chill for most of it um but yeah i mean i was mostly just worried about like the heat because i hadn't really run in that kind of heat and it hadn't been we had actually had a little bit of like a cooler week or so leading up to the race so i hadn't really been able to heat train or anything and i've definitely had issues with that in the past um and then i was also just worried about the last race um i had had a lot of issues with eating if you guys remember that like i hadn't been able to yeah. eat for the last 20 or so hours of the race so i was a little worried that that would happen again um and just like injuries and stuff like that especially because they had my parents and stuff had put so much um effort into like helping me plan this and like time into helping me plan this i definitely didn't want to let all that go to waste so i think that was the biggest pressure for me
0: but it's cool So, so you came up with a race plan. You, you, you talked about the, the, the run walk that you were going to be doing. Um, tell us a little about your equipment. What were some of the, uh, the, the choices you made equipment wise?
3: Yeah. So this race was definitely different than a lot of the other ones I've had to do with equipment. Um, the first thing, obviously it was a road race. Um, I haven't really done anything quite as, um, long on a road before. So shoes were a little bit different for me. I have, a lot of trouble finding shoes uh, because I have giant wide flipper feet that don't cram into shoes very well, but um, I have been running for the past year or so in the New Balance Fuel Cell Rebel, um, and that shoe was really good for me, so I was excited about that one. Um, I thought it worked really well because it's pretty lightweight in the upper, so That was good for breathability um, to keep my feet from getting too wet and also too hot, which is really important during a race like this and they're pretty cushioned as well. And then at the 50 mile point, so I I wore one pair of those for the first marathon first 25 miles Then I switched into a fresh pair for the next marathon and then for the last 50 miles, I had a pair of the new balance 1080 which I thought was great, because it was a really cushioned shoe Um I. I really like the new version. I think it's the version 12 that Sounds they just right. came out with. Yeah. Um, I really like the updates on that one. Strongly would recommend. Um,
2: <laughs> why do you, why do you like New Balance though? I think this is, this is an oh, important point yeah. for, for people. that I
3: don't know if I shared this on the last one. I wore New Balance for my last race as well. I like New Balance because I have the super wide flipper feet and they make all of their shoes pretty much in a wide um there's very few shoes they don't make in a wide and an extra wide and they make them in multiple colors in a wide which makes (laughs) me really happy because i love the fun colors and all the other shoe brands don't really do that so um i really i really like them i i get them in a a regular women's wide which i don't have to go to the men's shoes which is really nice and they're pretty standard on sizing usually but the the new 1080 do have to go a half a size down really um, that's good to know yes everyone that I know has agreed with me on that. So I'm not alone. Um, but that is a tip for that shoe. Um, other gear that we used, um, that was great for this race. One thing you have to be really cautious about in the keys is there's no, there's not a whole lot of shade. There is shade for parts of it. Um, and we didn't actually know that. So we were expecting absolutely no shade and I have really sensitive skin. Um, I used to get like sun rashes as a kid. So we were really worried about that. Um, so, the one thing that I did was I wore these UPF arm sleeves that were from Pearl which is a cycling brand, but they're just kind of like white thin arm sleeves that just kind of go under your t-shirt or whatever. And those worked really well. Um, I didn't get any burns and I didn't have to put it. And I put those on, I didn't wear them for the first hour or so right. of the race. And then around nine, 9.30, I put them on. Um, and then I wore a UPF t-shirt as well and then um on my calves because we actually found that some people tend to get the backs of their calves burned pretty frequently just because of the kind of way your legs are kind of cocked while you run so we found these spf calf sleeves um that worked pretty well as well i use calf sleeves pretty frequently just for like keeping my calves nice and warm anyway so but finding the spf ones was good um because didn't have to worry about trying to put sunscreen underneath or on top of or anything like that right um and then we just did lots and lots of sunscreen we found it's like blue lizard sunscreen or something it made me pasty white i looked absolutely insane
2: (laughs) this, this is great so melissa got the spray type uh, sunscreen. And mm-hmm. I had talked to the dermatologist and she had recommended every 80 minutes. And that's what they actually, I think they mm-hmm. say that on the bottle, like every 80 minutes reapply, especially when you're doing physical activity. So grace would come in and it was like spray painting her almost <laughs> white, you know, and, and we, we eventually figured out you can spray it in your hands and then kind of wipe it on. And it doesn't do that. But every time grace would look at us and go, tell me it's not white, is it? And Melissa and I would just go, no, it's not white. Your face isn't white at all. No, you look great. Just just get going. Grace knew 100% that we were lying every time. But she you know, this is one thing about like because Melissa and I are just like high level planners because we had everything sort of planned to a T. It was almost like a like an F1 stop. you know. So she would call, like we would figure out what she needed, or I would run down the trail a little bit and figure out what she needed, and then I would call Melissa and say, "Hey, this is what she needs," or I'd run back to the car and say, "This is what she needs." Melissa would put it in a little bag, and then she would come out right on the edge of the course. So Grace rarely had to stop, and that became huge. Yeah. 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 Because you know, Grace, talk a little bit about what you saw that, like the other runners.
3: Um, so I hate stopping. Um, I think that it, I just, it gets me out of like the zone, especially in a race. That's every like two ish miles, two to three miles. There are stops. So I think that you get a lot of dead time and a lot of runners were stopping every time, taking a second to eat something, taking a second to drink something, taking a second to change their shoes. And while all of those things are very important, I do think that a lot of them can be done quicker or can be done on the move. So, and a lot of them can be done at the same time as well. So we kind of had it down to where some stops, I would just come in and I'd switch my water bottle out, um, which is another gear thing that I guess we kind of got off the gear, but, and then we switched the water bottle out and go. And then sometimes I would get some food and take it with me. I almost never like stopped and ate unless it was, I was eating while they were putting sunscreen on me or I was like eating while I was changing my shoes or something like that. Um, And I think not stopping really helped. There was one very funny story about 10 miles from the finish. This guy, my my dad tells me about this. I didn't see him, but this guy, apparently he decides to sit down and take a nap (laughs) 10 miles from the finish. (laughs) Yeah,
2: he, he came in. So I would, Grace had come in and left and Melissa and I had switched off I think and so I was kind of cleaning everything up and what Melissa and I would always do is we would prepare for the next stop before we left. So Grace would drop off empty bottles we Did, would did you have bottles. designated places where you were going to stop? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and the, the race has designated places where you I gotcha. can stop. I gotcha. It's much like Blue Ridge. There's just more there's just more stops. Gotcha. Okay. And gotcha. you don't have to use all of them if you don't want to. But um this guy comes Basically stumbling in behind Grace, and we had seen him like behind us with his lights on and all that, you know, because it's getting dark. And he comes in and he sits down and he says, "I want to put my feet up." And they bring a chair up. He puts his feet up and he goes, "I'm going to sleep." And the one guy looks at him and says, "What?" He goes, "I'm going to take a nap." And he's like, "You you can't just take a nap. You're only ten miles from the finish." He goes, "I'll leave in thirty minutes." And he closes his eyes. And he puts a towel over his head, and then they put two ice packs on his knees and when I left, he was still sitting there. Wow.
1: That's great. Yeah. He's only, he's only
2: 10 miles from the finish, but you know, it's, it's ultra like those, there are points in the race where that might be all your, you know, that's your choice.
3: Yeah. But, um, going back to the gear, there are, there are a couple more important things. Um, the one thing that was really useful is this race. Some people were wearing backpacks with water in them, but if you're stopping every two-ish miles, that didn't seem to be the most useful, like use of energy to be carrying around a backpack so what we did was we just had four like of those small like handheld bottles 18 to
2: 20 ounce bottles um, and they
3: would always be full and then i would just pick whichever one i wanted take that drink it and then i would pretty much get a new one every time in the beginning of the race i was drinking one and then putting it back and then taking one so i was almost drinking two every cycle Um, but then towards the end of the race i didn't really need to drink as much so i had kind of stopped that and just was doing one pretty much every cycle, but those were really useful. And you were rotating
2: um, through what? what were I right? was
3: rotating through kind of not super like particularly or meticulously, just kind of like through water. And then we had some liquid IV and some Gatorade. Yep. Um, and sometimes it would be watered down. And I would just kind of say whatever I wanted. Um, I primarily was trying to do something with calories when I could. And then towards the end of the race, there was a while where I just kind of wanted water. Mm. Um, so I switched back to that. But yeah, that's kind of what I was doing. Um, And it it seemed to work pretty well. I didn't have too many issues with like hydration or anything. Like I felt like I was pretty hydrated the whole time. And there was never a point where I couldn't drink. Um, There were a couple of points where I was like, do I really want to drink anything? And I was like, no, not really. But I could still drink, which was important because I've been in the place before, especially in South Dakota, where I couldn't drink anything. So um, I think drinking a little bit frequently worked out really well for us um especially with just like the heat and stuff i think that was really important um and then the last gear piece that i thought would be important to mention other than like hat and sunglasses and i was, I was to gonna
0: ask it. you wore a hat and sunglasses actually <laughs>
3: yeah I, I always wear my cla hat my white one i like it it keeps the sun off my head it keeps yep. the sun off my face and then i wore sunglasses just the gooder ones for this race because
2: because gooder sunglasses are awesome
3: well, right.
2: <laughs> well you, you've gotten the one
0: use out of them that you're going to get so there you go <laughs> you know
3: <laughs> i haven't broken mine i've had them for a while um and they were fine i i just i he he had told me that he'd gotten his eyeballs burned before and that kind of scared me so i was like i'll suck it up and wear some sunglasses um but the last gear piece that was really crucial and a lot of people actually had this and it, mm-hmm. it only comes in one color so we were all matching um but nathan makes this it's like a little bandana sort of like a triangle that you tie you look like a boy scout um but it has a zipper pocket in the back where you can fill it with ice and shockingly enough it's a little annoying because it does bounce while you run but shockingly enough that definitely saved me by keeping my core temperature really lo- like much yeah. lower than it would have been otherwise this,
2: this thing absolutely blew me away and i think we actually learned so grace wore that from something like
3: i wore it from i think the 15 probably earlier than that okay. i think it was probably around 10 that i decided okay i'll start trying i was like i might as well try the ice bandana um and i started wearing it then and then Pretty much the whole time they were able to refill it at each um, stop and it totally like leaks all the way down your back and you get super wet, but it's worth it. Um, And we did that all the way until it was night because one of the like race officials or something mentioned that a lot of times runners can't keep their bodies warm, so they get cold. So putting ice on your back isn't always a great idea. So about Um, 50
2: miles, I think is where it started getting dark.
3: So around 50 miles, I stopped using it for a little bit. And I actually, I started feeling really hot and at, I think I, I stopped using it until I think around 75, I was feeling, or 70, I was feeling pretty bad and we put it back on while I was just sitting. And then I started to shiver a little bit and I was a little worried and I was like, okay, well maybe we shouldn't do this. So I took off my wet tank top. Um, cause I'd switched into a tank top for the night and took it off the arm sleeves. Cause I wasn't worried about getting sunburned anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but the when I was sitting there with the ice bandana it made me start to shiver and I was so worried, so I, I took the tank top off and I wasn't wet anymore, and then. I started running and I immediately felt warm again, but I was scared to use the ice bandana so we did not And then a couple miles later we were like well it might have been bad sitting but it's probably fine if I run in it, so we put it on again and. Honestly, I think it helped I wish I had just kept using it throughout the night, um, I think that would have helped some of the issues I was kind of facing around that, like 75 mile mark where I was feeling a little overheated. I think if I had just kept my core temperature down, I might've been able to go for a little bit longer. Um, Obviously can't really know, but um, I didn't have any issues with feeling cold at night, except for when I was sitting with an ice bandana on. So I think that it would have been beneficial to use for the whole race. And that's the Nathan Run Cool ice
1: bandana. Little.
0: yes, yes. <laughs> it only yeah. comes in blue right M- M- michelle's yep. over here googling like everything you mentioned she's like, well i wanted
1: to well i had to make sure it was the blue thing that i've seen like it really only no. comes
3: with one color i think <laughs>
0: yes yep, we does. were
3: all twinning there were so many people wearing the exact same <laughs> one and it was really funny because I, I didn't feel too dumb wearing it even though it did definitely make me look like a boy scout that's awesome um
1: okay so just to back up for a second hydration nutrition you carried water you switched kind of water liquid iv gatorade uh what about solid food in terms of
3: nutrition did you eat during the race um this race was much much better than south dakota in terms of the eating um Mm -hmm. we brought a couple different like staples that i always have we did peanut butter and jelly and then we did We did peanut butter jelly sandwiches and then also um, like chocolate almond butter and bread sandwiches. Um, Those were the sandwich options because I just wanted like a couple different ones. I liked the chocolate almond butter ones because they weren't just plain peanut butter but they weren't as messy as having jelly. We also had animal crackers, um, goldfish, Uh, we had pretzels but I didn't eat any pretzels I don't think. Grace, when you did your last 100, I feel like you didn't eat or drink for
1: the last gazillion miles, right? Yes. (laughs) So what changed? What did you change this time in order to be able to adequately fuel and hydrate the entirety of 100
3: miles?
0: Same question. Or did you just get lucky?
3: Um, I think it was a little, I think it was a little bit of both. Honestly, I think, um, part of it, um, as I've realized throughout the races that I've done, like the first time I did 50 miles, I wasn't able to eat after the first 15 or 20 miles um for the rest of it and like the first time I did a 50k I wasn't able to eat for the first the last couple miles too so I think part of it is just my body getting used to like eating while running um and I think that's something that I just have to practice um one thing though that I think I did a much better job on was just trying to be really careful about not eating too much too early because just because you can eat doesn't mean maybe you need to um and it doesn't mean that you need to like try to eat as much as you can, um, which is something that I was worried about during South Dakota, because I was like, if I'm not going to be able to eat later, I should eat as much as I can now. Um, So I had kind of read some stuff, especially about how women don't necessarily need to eat as much as men do during races, and if they don't, it actually gives them an advantage because they can they don't have to digest so they don't have to you know expend energy digesting so they can go for longer um so for this race i made sure that i was like i wasn't super rigorous or strict about it but i just made sure that i was eating maybe like every one or two hours instead of trying to eat like every 30 or 40 minutes and i was just kind of eating maybe like a handful of this or like a quarter or a half of a sandwich or something like that um and just eating a little bit throughout the race worked pretty well for me um it was something i had kind of practiced during our last 50 miler um this winter the beast of the east 50 and it had worked really well for me there so i just kind of continued that and i was able to eat pretty much until i think i had stopped eating around 80 or 85 it was probably around 85 i didn't eat anymore mostly just because i didn't feel like i needed to um and i was just trying to get to the finish but yeah, I, I never felt like super sick. Um, I had like a little bit of like heat sickness for a little while, but I, I never felt like terrible or anything, so I think like just kind of budgeting it and also just kind of getting used to it. And probably, the I honestly think keeping the like ice and stuff on my back helped me stay cooler, which probably allowed me to
2: eat more too. I That's think awesome. heart, heart rate plays into it a lot. Oh, I think yeah. the, the ice bandana, kept her heart rate down because her heart wasn't trying to overbeat to cool her off. And I think the walk run mm-hmm. cycle, we were not as rigorous about that during the Black Hills one. Well, because you
3: can't be when there's hills like that, like right.
2: it makes it and maybe more difficult.
3: honestly, maybe like what I should have done for a race like that is just still implement that run walk cycle. Because what we kind of found is like walking up the hills and running <laughs> down the hills just kills your knees. Because then, when you gotta run down the hills on the way back, it hurts so much worse to go down the hills. Right. So I don't know. I think for the next trail ultra, if it's not too technical, I might try a like more rigorous run-walk cycle um, and see how that goes, and just kind of ignore the hills because maybe that maybe that's the way to go if they're not too crazy or too steep. Um. But yeah, I do think keeping like a very regular cycle of running and walking probably helped as well.
2: Because that was one thing that uh Brett had brought up a good friend mm-hmm. of ours runs a Blue Ridge really he said if once your heart rate gets too high your body's gonna start rejecting food mm-hmm. and I think that happened during the Charleston 100 yeah to Grace so you know this has been a three-year journey learning those things and I think Grace was just really regimented early in the race she ran the first 25 miles on her own to not let that happen very good so so nutrition
0: you knew was gonna be a challenge heat challenge asphalt's a challenge um traffic was a challenge too right
3: um honestly i run on the very busy roads around where we live and also sometimes at school so traffic doesn't bother me as much as it bothers my lovely pacer and father um (laughs) but it definitely wasn't ideal um especially during the night and this is what he was mentioning earlier where the race lied to us in the brochure i don't think they did i just think that we did hit the pretty bridges when it was dark. And oh, no. cars, yeah. We <laughs> That's had my, awful. And part of it too was um in that during the day I was running by myself or my mom was running with me for that first 50 miles. So he didn't see any of the pretty parts um, that were really nice. And if if the rest of the race was like that first part, I'm sure it was lovely. But we were running on these bridges in the middle of the night and there were some cars whizzing by us um so it was definitely not like the most serene and um like in the woods ultra experience that I've ever had mm-hmm. um so yeah the, the cars were not anyone's favorite but they honestly didn't bother me that much partially because at that point I was so tired that I and I was like so <laughs> locked into just like I was just doing my four minutes and my six minutes and I wasn't really thinking that it didn't bother me too much but it definitely was a safety concern
0: gotcha gotcha and then right around 75 you have you've referred to this a couple of times yes. right there around the 75 mile mark is is something happened tell us about that
3: um i'm not entirely sure what happened i the entire race i was trying to be really careful about monitoring whether i was going too fast um and i kind of just stuck with my i was probably running around like 13 Thirteen thirty, sometimes a little faster, sometimes a little slower. Minute miles, just with the cycle of running and walking, and then I had like some stoppages, um, and I was kind of just going solid on that. And I did at a couple points evaluate it, and I was like, "Well, I could feel better at this point. Like, should I slow down?" But I I decided that I felt like I could get to at least sixty or seventy at that pace, and I might be able to get further. So I wanted to keep going and just kind of see what happened, because um, I knew that. If I kept going and I had to stop for some reason, I could just walk at home. Um, and I was feeling absolutely fine until around the 70 mile mark. And I just started to feel kind of nauseous and dizzy. And I, I think it was heat problems. I, that was when it was night. And you didn't um, have the I didn't have the bandana anymore. Um, I, I really do think that helped. And I honestly, I had more trouble. Like I felt the heat more when it was night. I don't know if it was a little more humid. Um, And that's why I was struggling with it because during the day, like it was hot, but it wasn't like I ever felt super oppressed by the heat. There were a couple spots where there wasn't much of a breeze or something and I felt hotter, but during the night I really started to overheat and that like 70 mile mark and I just kind of pushed through and I was like i'm going to take a break. At um, 75 so I just kept going until 75 and then I took that break and I was not feeling good during that break. Um, it was probably only like five or seven minutes. I didn't mm-hmm. sit there for very long, mm-hmm. but I had, I, I put my ice in on and then I started to shake and I tried to eat something. and I started to feel sick and I was just like, oh gosh, like everything's going downhill. Um, and then at that point I decided, okay, well I could try to keep pushing at this pace, but I think if I do, I'm going to end up at the point where I can barely walk a 24, 25 minute mile. like in South Dakota where we hit that 40 mile mark. And I had pushed myself to the point where the next 10, 20 miles, I was like staggering and having to stop every five minutes. And it was an absolute mess. So I thought about it and I was like, you know, it's more important that I finish this in a good time than I try to finish it in a great time. And then, you know, die and have, take four hours to walk 10 miles. Um, so, I, I slowed down to like mostly walking. I think I did a little bit of jogging here and there, and I was probably going around 15, 16 minute miles for the rest of the race. Um, but yeah, I, I think mentally it was kind of difficult for me because I was just worried at that point that I wasn't going to be able to finish. Um, and I think the nighttime just kind of clouded my judgment a lot because I was like, <laughs> I just wasn't able to conceptualize kind of what was happening and that I didn't have that much left. Um, especially because in the last race I had done, I had run through the night and then I had run through the day. So it was hard for me to mentally be like, even if I walk, I will still finish before an entire new day has passed. (laughs) Um, so mentally that was like just really difficult for me. And I was kind of struggling with it. Um, and then we had
2: a conversation. She says to me, well, if I start walking, I'm going to be out here for 10 hours. (laughs) And, you know, I'm a little tired and my brain's not working at 100 percent, but I can do math, you know, and I, I, I did the math in my head. And I said, Grace, if you go at 20 minute miles, you'll still finish by 830. Yeah. And this light went. it took a second, but yeah. this light went off and she's like, really? And I, I explained it to her. I said three miles an hour. Right now, it's this time you have this far to go. And i think that's one of those like crew aspects of like mm-hmm. her brain just wasn't working at that point but that cl- clued her into she's like i can walk 20 minute miles yeah i've been walking 15 minute miles you know and then right. it was all okay we're, we're back on track we can keep moving so
3: yeah and that that made me feel a lot better because i was like well at this point as long as i'm walking 20 minute miles i'll finish at a time that like i don't have to go for the whole day and if i can do anything faster than that then that's great so i was and if I can end up running later, well, then I should slow down a little bit now. Um, and that, that definitely helped me a lot because I realized, okay, I'm not going for a whole nother day. I can make it through for a couple more hours. Um, cause I really, I really only had, you know, 20 miles left, but in my brain, I just couldn't like <laughs> conceptualize how much that actually was. Right. It was crazy though, because I kind of feel like looking at the other runners that I saw throughout the race. I had I had started later than a lot of them. And at the beginning, I was kind of just running in the back like I wasn't really seeing a whole lot of people. Most people that I was seeing were passing me if I saw them. But then, like, as I continued, some people were walking from the 40 mile point onward. And some people were walking and some people started running again later, but a lot of people were just walking. for so much more than like i would have been able to like think about or try to do so that made me feel a lot better when i was walking at the end i think eric
1: told us about
3: people on the ground vomiting
1: already at 20 right
2: right there was i i actually used the term walking dead yeah you know for the for the podcast audience michelle and george asked if there was tracking and there wasn't tracking for the race so i we were using the Eric positioning system, and I was basically sending text updates. We're at this mile at this hour. This mile at this hour, and I was amazed. I was, I was
0: getting the same updates on two threads. I was getting it That's on the right. podcast thread and on the Blue Ridge <laughs> Relay text thread. So,
2: well,
1: <laughs> I switched to texting Melissa, so I was getting Eric and Melissa uh, there.
2: <laughs> but the the thing was, I mean, at 15 miles, maybe 20 miles, I said something about Walking Dead, and Michelle was like. How is that possible? <laughs> and it, this race is just that hard. I mean, at one point I was talking to Grace, I was like, I will never do this race. Like, this guy told me, he's like, Man, this really fires me up. Where he, he was supporting somebody, he's like, This really fires me up. I, I really want to do this next year. How about you? And I looked at him, I said, I never want to do this race. <laughs> I don't have anything to do with this. And Grace is like, Stop talking down to my race. I'm like, No, this race is hard. I mean, the point, all the reasons that you did this race are really good, but this is not a race i want i don't want to run 100 miles on asphalt in the sun that's just i mean that's stupid with three o's <laughs> it's crazy
1: um yeah grace so i was texting with your mom and she said 75 to 85 was a hot mess um but somehow
0: i see what you she did you, there
1: grace at some point you got through the 75 to 85 mile rough patch and then you knew you had 85 to kind of the finish so when did you realize I'm for sure gonna finish and what was it like kind of getting to that finish line?
3: Um, I think the thing that I, I have thought about a lot with doing ultras is that I can never think about how much I have left to go um, because it's, it's just so much. Like, I don't think that it, it's not something I can conceptualize or like deal with, especially when I'm trying to run. Um, So throughout the whole race, I very much was trying to focus on how far I had gone, and it was like, okay, I've done 10 miles, and I wasn't thinking that I had to do any more than that. I was just like, okay, I've done 10 miles, and then, okay, I've done 50 miles, because if I stopped at the 50 mile point, and I thought, oh my gosh, I have to do all of that again, but I'm more tired, I wouldn't have been able to keep going. So I really don't think that until I got to two miles from the finish. I was really thinking, because <laughs> once I run 90 miles, 10 miles is a lot. It's hours of my day. It's a long time. It's, it's and, three
2: hours. And, you basically have three hours. Yeah, it's three
3: miles. hours. So like, if I just keep thinking, oh, I have 10 miles to go and then, you know, 20 minutes passes and I'm like, I still have 10 miles to go. And I'm, if I just keep doing that, then I'm I'm going to feel like really down because I'm going to be like, it's, it's 10 miles, but it's never going to end. So I really think that like I very much was focusing on I'm going to get to 75. I'm going to get to 80. I'm going to get to 85. And then once I got to 85, I kind of reevaluated and was like, well, it's only five miles to 90. And then after that. So I think like it was when we were two miles from the finish and I was like, wow, we might finish this thing. <laughs> I was like, We're almost at 100 miles.
2: <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> What was it like when you could you see the finish from like half a mile or out or did you make oh, left No, one
2: no you could, it was like 20 you feet. had to make this left hand turn I knew it into this little park and it was only That's 20 awful. feet. It was only 20 feet no, yeah, to the actual finish it. you couldn't see it because Melissa oh, so this is, Melissa comes out and meets us with like a half mile to go. And she says it's right down there it's just past that brick building i'm like i can't see anything i was like yeah. is it around the turn is it this? <laughs> well no it's right there and, and i'm like i don't see anything and literally there's this little sign that says turn left and you turn left and there's the finish hmm. but you can't see it at all from the road hmm. Hmm.
3: Yeah, that's pretty that, that was definitely i mean i was just like is it there <laughs> how far do we have <laughs> to go because the thing about south dakota was he said there were five bonus miles, but my watch said there were 10. <laughs> so I just kept thinking we were about to be done and we weren't. And I was like, are we going to be done? And luckily we were, but.
0: Hmm. All right. So that makes me think of two quick questions. First one, the way that you're describing, like not thinking about what's what's left. Um, and I appreciate that. That sounds like a change from you because <laughs> I remember you putting a note to yourself in your drop bag at the 50 mile mark of your last (laughs) hundred saying, guess what? You're only halfway done. (laughs) And I I remember thinking when you said that, that that was insane, Um, (laughs) that that you would like torture yourself that way. Um, And so it sounds like you've had a little bit of a mental shift as far as that goes over the course of the past year, right?
3: Um, I mean, I think that a little bit, yes. the The note was definitely a joke, and was mostly just for my dad. I did not read or consider the note um, during South Dakota. While I did write it, I was unwilling to think about it when he was like, "Oh, we got your note," and I was like, "Nope, we're not talking about the note." Um, but yeah, I definitely think, especially running by myself a lot, and just like. I've started to very much, instead of like thinking about, oh, I have to go for a run. I'm like, well, I'm just going to (laughs) go and I'm just going to keep going until I can't go anymore. Um, And like stopping, I think I've learned to not think about it, Um, which I think part of that's just been because I I've been so tired and stuff with school that I just have to turn my brain off and run. Um, So I'm used to it. So it's kind of just like an instinct now rather than like a a conscious decision, I guess. But yeah, I think it is a little bit of a change. I mean, I think that if I had really, I think the hardest parts during South Dakota were definitely when I thought about how much I had left. Um, And I think the hardest parts for this race were when I thought about how much I had left, but I I really didn't have that too much during this race. It's because I
2: wasn't running next to you, reminding you how much you have left. Yeah, yeah. I like like thinking, how much do I have left? (laughs) And that's something we do not uh, have in common. And she reminded me of that many times. So I, so one thing I noticed, and I told Grace, this is as we got over the 50 mile mark, you started noticing things about the runners that the ones that were walking, you know, they would have a list, you know, like one of their legs had stopped working or you could tell there was some physical ailment. And although Grace was slowing down and she was talking about pain, she constantly looked like a runner. Right like when she ran and I, I, I told her that. And what I wanted to ask you about was what, what things did happen? Did, were, did you get chafing somewhere? Did you get blisters? Like, I think this is important to like, like mention to people too, like what were the things that went wrong with your, with you physically?
3: Um, I didn't have as much pain during this race as I've had in past races. I mean, obviously you got a little bit of pain all over cause you're just moving. Um, I think the biggest thing for me was definitely my knees, my knees hurt. Um, They started hurting around the first marathon um, and they just didn't get better and they just got worse and it was just something that I had to push through. But I've had quad pain and I've had other pain that has been worse before. Um, So that wasn't that was something that hurt, but I was able to push through. Mm -hmm. Um, The other things that I had some issues with um, were definitely I get terrible blisters. We've tried a lot of things we need to try some more. Um, I want to look into taping them and stuff more. I did wear my Nginji socks, um, but I don't think I changed them enough during this race, Um, especially because you get so wet and hot and sweaty. I do think that changing them more often could probably have helped prevent the blisters. Um, I get huge blisters that pretty much cover my entire big toes. Um, Still got those right now. And then I also get them on the backs of my heels uh, because I have pretty narrow heels, so they tend to slip in my shoes. Um, which that probably would have been pretty easy to tape, Um, thinking back, especially because I have gotten those blisters before, Um, so taping the heels definitely would have been helpful, Um, and, but the thing for me with blisters is, like, they hurt, um, but they usually don't keep me from going, um, because at that point, everything kind of hurts, Yep. and um, my feet as a whole just hurt, I think, just from pounding on the on the asphalt i do wish i had brought one more pair of like a high cushion shoe to switch into for that last marathon um because it definitely i think switching shoes it always made me feel better for at least the next 10 miles so if you're switching every 25 miles you're gonna feel a lot better um
1: so i would would have have switched
3: into um i probably would have tried to maybe bring another pair of the 1080s um okay. since right now i don't have a whole lot of shoes that work well for me i think really that would yeah. have been fine I um, yeah. if i had had like another shoe that worked well like i think that would have been good too um
1: were they but, waterlogged like were they heavy and just filled with sweat or what did it not so much through the night
3: um the the one in the day weren't at all because the fuel cell dries really nicely i yeah. mean my my socks definitely were pretty wet but yeah that's kind of inevitable. I do think the 1080s, since they are that knit upper and they're a little thicker, they weren't as breathable. So they were probably a little waterlogged, but I'm not as sweaty as my father. So I wasn't cool. like leaving a trail of sweaty footprints behind me or anything. Some other people were. I did follow some sweaty footprints to the yeah, finish. Um, <laughs> so I, I definitely think people did struggle with that. Um, and that's another reason why changing my shoes might have been smart, just because um, getting a dry pair might have helped with the blisters. Um, I've always had those blisters for every race I've done, so I've gotten used to them. I, I do think now I should try to prevent them, but it's not, like I said, it's not something that keeps me from going. So it's not something that I feel like I need to stop for, or try to fix. Um, chafing.
2: Chafing, yeah. Chafing
3: didn't have a whole lot of chafing. I think. Part of it was because I was so sweaty that like everything was slipping really nice and well, um, also, also, um, the sunscreen we used had like mineral oil in it. So I was just greased up all the way. So I didn't get really any chafing. Um, I also, I wore my John G. I think it's like the AFO vent short or something. Yeah. They have amazing pockets. Like they're like fly shorts, they're great. I love them. I recently got a pair of them and I'm the biggest endorsement for them. Um, Cause they have like this huge pocket that I can like stick my phone. You could fit like a whole peanut butter and jelly sandwich in there. They're fantastic
0: <laughs> um,
3: and those didn't give me any problems. So I wore those for the whole race and I liked them a lot better than like the tight fitted shorts just because they're a lot cooler and I think they're more comfortable. Um, especially they help you like get a little bit of the wind. Um the flyaways do kind of like bear your butt for some parts of it, but I don't know. It's an ultra marathon. I'm kind of beyond caring. Yeah. Um
2: Melissa became a John G member for life, so
3: Yeah, she's we're probably really gonna be it. fully
2: outfitted with Johngy gear for. Quite um a the only ago. thing
3: that happened that was really weird was kind of the area where my calf sleeves and my socks met. I got this like weird red ring
2: it's like a band
3: this huge band and my feet swelled up so bad my feet and my ankles were huge they mm. they looked and felt terrible mm. um but the the red ring at first we were thinking it was sunburn and we were really worried cuz we were like did we like miss that spot like what happened what did we do and um i was kind of worried about that because we were worried it was gonna blister. And then we were thinking it might be some kind of chafing from my sock, but it wasn't like raw, it was just bright red and swollen. Um, And then my mom actually looked it up a couple of days ago and I had also had like red spots all over my thighs and like a little bit on my, um, my feet and stuff. And it turns out it's called a like Disney rash. And it's just like from being outside in the heat, doing strenuous exercise. Hilariously enough, the reason they call it a Disney rash is because a lot of people get it at Disney because you know, they're doing strenuous exercise, walking around the Disney park.
2: It's common in 50 year old women at Disney.
3: Yes, apparently. So that's, that's what I had. Um, (laughs) But the rash didn't really hurt. And it went away the next day using like compression socks, the swelling in my feet went down and the redness um from the little rings around my ankles went down pretty well too but that was just really weird and scary for a while because I didn't know what was going on but other than that I didn't have like major aches or pains anywhere.
0: very good very good all right two more questions um first one you've talked a lot about different people and you just mentioned like following those sweaty footprints and stuff yeah Um, and it's a hundred mile race and there were only 90 finishers But it sounds like you were, like, constantly amongst other racers. Um, Not that you were running with other people the entire time, but it sounds like it's not as if you were on a lonely highway by yourself the entire time. Is that right?
3: Actually, it was kind of crazy because there were parts where, especially in the beginning, I think I saw people pretty much the whole way. Like, there were a couple guys that were running around me for the first, you know, 15 miles, and then I kind of – I kind of was just catching people the whole way. Um, And then I would kind of pass them and keep going because I was going very slowly, but most people started out a lot quicker and then went even slower than I was.
2: And they stopped.
3: And they stopped more often. So I I think having those frequent stops also, like I caught people doing that. Um, So I feel like I did see people at least for the first 50 miles pretty consistently. There were parts where I felt like I was a little bit alone for a bit. But yeah, I mean, part of it's because it's a straight shot and there's no hills or trees. So like I know a lot of other ultras, you can be close to people, but like you don't know that they're there. Um, During the night, though, there were some portions where I was pretty alone or I was like with my pacer or whatever, and we
2: didn't see anybody.
3: We went Um,
2: went three hours or three and a half hours and didn't see a single person,
3: which is funny because I think there were some people that were a little behind us because like but there were a couple aid stations where like my, I think it was when mom was driving and she would, it was just her and one other car. And this was crazy because at the beginning the aid stations would have 15, 20 cars. And like sometimes there'd be people parked a little further along the road because the aid station was full. And then we got to this part for pretty much most of the night hours until like day, I think we started to see a couple more people and there was like maybe five or six or seven cars instead of two. Um, but even when I finished at that point, people were pretty strung out. Like, I think I only saw like two or three other runners in the last, in the
2: last five miles, miles. we passed three people. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Cause I think mom did the first three of the last and we didn't see anybody. Mm -hmm. And then we passed three in the last two, but yeah, it was, it was interesting. I think since there were a lot more people, I did see more people than I'm used to, but
2: yeah. Well, and they had a George, it was a staggered start. So people started at five thirty. Yeah. and then they sent out little packs of people every three minutes. So there were people that started an hour and a half before grace that she eventually caught.
3: Yeah. I was kind you of know, towards was, the end.
2: There were people in the course the whole time, which
3: I, I liked kind of being towards the end. Cause I didn't feel like a lot of people were passing me, which I think can kind of stress me out a little bit, especially <laughs> in the beginning of a race. Um, so I liked kind of just being in the back and going on my own pace. Yeah. Cause like I went out with a group of, I think like three or four people. And one of the guys was running ahead of me at the beginning and I didn't see him for a while and then 10 miles, 15 miles in, he's good. walking and he looks rough and I'm still <laughs> going my you know, 13 minute mile pace. And I just went right past him, but yeah.
2: Yeah, is that race
3: always a staggered start for traffic purposes or is it a covid
1: thing?
2: I think he has to he has to do that because of the, the Cuz they're on the road.
1: Yeah. The cruise.
2: The, no, cuz the cruise. Oh, okay. Because these these aren't huge uh, parking lots. A lot of these are just the little like right before a bridge, the place where you can pull off, so you can go fish.
1: That makes sense. So. Cool.
0: And the last question, Grace is what's next?
3: Gosh, I don't know. I don't have, I haven't decided quite yet actually. Um, in the fall, I'm hoping, depending on what my classes are like, one of my classes has some field trips over the weekend. So I got to kind of schedule around that. But I'm hoping to maybe do the City of Oaks marathon again um, and maybe try to fit a 50 miler in. And then over Christmas break, I'd like to do my third 100. Um, currently, we're kind of looking at the Beast of the East one um and we might see if that one works out with like schedule and timing and stuff but if not maybe a different one but yeah
0: when is the city of oaks marathon
3: uh the city of oaks marathon that's like the raleigh marathon i did it last year with my mom um and we had a great time sounds like grace just told us
1: about eric's first room i was gonna say
0: i just looked it up it's on november 6th that seems to be
2: really good timing for eric's bq marathon
1: that's you're going to be
3: ready for January Just, if you run a marathon on November
1: sixth. That
2: softball, for sure. One. Let them knock it out of the park. Yeah, sure. he doesn't
3: believe in marathons, so I don't know if he'll join us. Last uh, Grace, time he you haven't been
0: marathons. caught up on the podcast uh, of like.
3: <laughs> I know, Grace. What episode? <laughs> Come on.
1: We're on a mission here. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: Um, well, Grace, you can, you can
3: wear your new shoes.
0: <laughs> That's a good selling point. You can wear your new shoes.
3: We'll get you a new <laughs> a pair a new of pair shoes. pair of shoes are you talking about, Grace? Which <laughs> to... pair
1: of shoes? Any shoes. I really you want the endorphin shift. So we could get him a pair. That's not a marathon.
2: That is not a marathon shoe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a uh, big fan of the shoes.
0: Grace, we are super proud of you. Um, and we appreciate you coming on the podcast to tell us all about it.
3: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Whenever you do the next big, massive thing that you do, the super impressive thing that you do, uh, we'll just have to bring you on and talk about it once again, if that's okay with you. Yes.
3: I mean, I guess so. <laughs> it's worth it's the worth it finish.
1: You can come back on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast and tell us all about the Most Pleasant Exhaustion. <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. Uh, congrats, Grace. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, or on Instagram, most Pleasant exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, on Facebook at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, ITL Coaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, Facebook.com slash Blue Pineapple Travel, and on Instagram, Blue Pineapple Travel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by Slay RX. That's SlayRX.com. Facebook.com slash here for slayrx That's the number four, SlayRx. Twitter at officialslayrx. And Instagram, here for SlayRx, the number for SlayRx. Discount code Pleasant22. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.